I think it's part of our nature to surround ourselves with things. Most of which likely hold very little meaning to us, while others are certainly more precious. A keepsake gifted to us by someone who's no longer with us. A trinket from a memorable trip. Family heirloom passed down through generations. An award for a job well done. These objects are close to us and hold a special place in our lives. They preserve our past. That's why it's so vital for a museum like ours to collect and display these objects. Each artifact, fossil, specimen, or piece of art in our collection contains the tangible history of South Carolina and offers a connection to the past, present, and even the future. In this week's episode of Our State, Our Stories, we take a behind-the-scenes look at the State Museum's collection and speak with experts on how we collect and care for these invaluable pieces which bring the many stories of South Carolina to life. I'm curious, what is your favorite object in our collection? I mean, where do you start? From, from my perspective, I'm, I've been most excited about the artifacts that we have that deal with African-American history, but have a deeper story to tell. My standard answer is like, it's like picking my favorite child. And generally that answer is whichever one of them was the best to me last <laughs> and did what I asked kind of thing. So my favorite object is often like the last exhibit I did. So if like the last big exhibit was a quilt, then it's gonna be some of the quilts that are in the collection. Some of the more interesting things that we have are coprolites, which is fossil feces. And it's, it's strange, you may think, well, why would that be one of your more interesting things? Because sure, we find a lot of bones, we find a lot of fossil teeth, and the bones can tell us maybe what the animal looked like, we can get an idea from the bones or how they moved. The teeth can tell us maybe what they were eating, these animals, but it's this kind of end product that gives us a little bit more insight into how these animals are living, maybe how they're processing their food. I have, I have so many favorite artworks. I have a lot of favorite South Carolina artists. However, I had a moment in the collection the other day, I was in storage and I saw this one from like across the room and I looked at it and I said, I know what that painting is. And it's because my dad had a coffee table book of Robert Taylor artwork. Robert Taylor's a really famous aviation artist. And so I saw this from across the storage room. I said, oh my gosh, that's the Doolittle Raiders. It has signatures of 30 of the Doolittle Raiders on it. I didn't know about that one. That's pretty cool since the Doolittle Raiders were trained here, right? Exactly. I loved seeing those artworks and I loved imagining the heroism and the bravery and they're always very active paintings and so when you have something like that that is a, a painting of an actual historical event and you have the signatures of the people who were there that's just a really lovely connection we could go on and on a 200 year old bible owned by a charleston abolitionist containing the names and details of over 30 enslaved people he freed a perfectly preserved loaf of bread from world war ii shellacked by an army cook at Fort Jackson to show his pastry skills to his mother in New York. Massive fossilized teeth from Megalodon, who ruled the prehistoric ocean, which once covered South Carolina. Every object in the museum's collection tells a story, 
The story of our collection begins well before the opening of the State Museum in 1988, with the first object being added to the collection in 1974. It's object SC74 1.1, and it's a notary stamp um, that was donated to us from the Licensing Board of Construction for South Carolina. It was from 1936. It's an interesting object to look at, you know, how many things were notarized with that stamp, you know, before it came in here in 1974. Right, but for most people to be like, oh, it's, it's probably going to be something incredibly <laughs> exciting in this life. Absolutely. Here it is. It's a stamp. <laughs> Paul Matheny, the museum's director of collections and curatorial affairs. You know, that's the first object in the collection. That's the first one that represents, you know, kind of what everything else would come after that. And some way, shape, or form. We're collecting the things that tell the whole story of the state of South Carolina. So that's why I think, you know, the notary stamp is a really important sort of thing. We tell the day-to-day -day stories of the people of South Carolina, of the organizations, of the businesses, and of the other state agencies. That's why we're here, and that's what we do. Being the South Carolina State Museum, everything in our collection has a connection to South Carolina. Take, for example, our art collection which includes over 4,500 works of art dating back to 1590, all of which were created by people who lived here or spent a considerable amount of time in the state, or artwork that deals with a South Carolina subject in some way. That's why you'll never see anything by Van Gogh or Da Vinci in our collection. They never visited our great state, and to my knowledge, never painted the salt marshes of the Low Country. <music> Since the first accessioned object in 1974, the State Museum's collection has grown to include over 1.1 million objects, artifacts, fossils, artwork, and specimens. Keeping track of a collection of this size is a daunting task, made somewhat easier by an object identification system. Every object has a number, every object has a location that's recorded, and that's maintained in a database in the computer system. And so that's the number you said for that very first object, the stamp. It was SC something. That's right. It was SC 741.1. And what does that symbolize? It must have some significance. It does. That's a very specific number. So um, it's called our accession number. It's a record of every object that comes in. So if you see it on a label, it says SC 741.1. The 74 is the year that it came in. The number one is the accession that came in that year, so it was the first accession. And then from that point on, it could be every object. So SC-74 1.1, that was that one object, but you know, it could go on from there. Like if it was a chess set. That's right, yep, exactly. So we just brought in a chess set this year, um, so that'll be 2023 point whatever the accession number is, and then one, two, three, four, five, or one A or one B or one C, it just depends on that specific object and how it's organized by our registration department. Our registration department is critically important. They keep track of all the objects that come into the collection. They identify those things as well as the loans that come in and out of the museum. You know, one big thing that we do, we don't have every object needed to tell every story. So we borrow objects um, from other museums and that all goes to the registration department. They keep track of all those things. They maintain the insurance records. They maintain all that information so that we keep track of everything. Let's take a peek inside what we call room 420, which is large item storage. Appropriately named. Yep, exactly. So this storage area really houses 
um, a lot of our furniture collection. We have a really amazing collection of furniture connected to South Carolina. A lot of it was made here. Most of it's from the 19th century. There are some earlier examples as well. Um, we also have an iron lung in this room, but... Just very nonchalant. There's, <laughs> there's our iron lung. With limited space in the museum's galleries for the thousands upon thousands of invaluable objects within our care, most of the museum's collection remains in storage, tucked away in 15 storage rooms located on-site behind and below the museum's galleries. Anytime you're at the South Carolina State Museum and you're walking through the permanent galleries or even the changing galleries like the Lipscomb Gallery or some of the other ones, you know, you only see anywhere between 5 to 10% of the museum's collection on the floor at any given time. And that's for a lot of different reasons. We're not trying to hide it and keep it hidden away from the public, but there's just no way for everyone to see all the objects at any given time. It would be extremely overwhelming. It's also not good for the objects, you know. Especially for objects prone to fading, because as Robin Adams, the museum's registrar, puts it, Light damage is cumulative and irreversible. And so we have to keep things out of UV light. Even without UV light, LEDs, it fades. So things like photographs, dyed fabrics, paper, are often on view for very short periods of time, not because it prevents them from fading, but it spreads out how fast we fade it. Again, a photograph that goes on view for three months every five years still fades, but it's gonna fade a lot slower than a photograph left on view for 18 months every five years. Through thoughtful storage, maintaining proper environmental conditions, and being carefully protected, these objects can be shared with future generations. One of the goals with the objects in the museum's care is that each object should be as in good, if not in better condition than how it arrived. At some point within their lifetimes, many objects will require some form of conservation work, which is different from restoration. So conservation is not restoring something. I would say those are two different words, restoration and conservation. Restoration is trying to take it back to how it originally was. Conservation is trying to stabilize. Stabilizing it may take it back to what it looked like when it started, but that's not necessarily the intention. It's things like cleaning. So like we're removing grease and removing grass and stuff from the life of the object that over time corrode and cause the problems. For the past several years, through a series of grants awarded from the Institute of Museum and Library Services and through funding from the state legislature, Robin and the museum's registration staff have been working on cataloging and digitizing the entire collection, room by room, discipline by discipline. We started with art. We have since received a second grant that allowed us to do our military uniforms and houseware collections because they're all stored together. And then we just started our third one, which is our science and technology collection, as well as everything that's on view um, out on the floors. This project not only improves the quality of care for the collection, but also increases access for researchers, educators, and the public, as portions of the collection are now available to explore digitally through the museum's online collection database, which launched earlier this year. Today, through almost 30,000 working hours, nearly 19,000 objects have been photographed, cataloged, and digitized, accounting for a quarter of the museum's cultural history, art, and science and technology collections. However, 
If you take a look at the collection as a whole, taking into account the museum's extensive natural history collection of a million fossils and current-day biological specimens, that percentage drops down to 2%. While there still is a long way to go, more and more of the museum's collection will be continually updated and uploaded to this online collections database, an important step forward in the museum's Reimagine the Experience campaign which aims to feature more of its extensive collection through renewing over 150,000 square feet of exhibition and storage spaces to better highlight the many fascinating stories and people throughout South Carolina's history. We'll explore this exciting new journey and take a closer look at the future of your state museum in the final episodes of this season. Our State, Our Stories is written and produced by David Dixon for the South Carolina State Museum. We encourage you to visit our website, scmuseum.org, to explore this online collection database and discover more stories highlighted through the museum's collection of over 1.1 million objects. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you get your podcasts, and tell your friends about us. We we'll hope you tune in next week.